Well, hello, Matt. Uh, good to see you for this next episode of uh, Going Live with Good Soil. It's being recorded on our uh, Good Good Soil Investment YouTube channel and on the live stream there. For anyone who wants to listen to it or watch it later, we're going to part of this is uh, we're going to go through a, a preview, an early preview of uh, our earnings uh, projections or Matt's model, which has been, uh, I think, the most accurate of all the analysts, uh, all the the. Twitter analysts uh, and and Wall Street analysts uh, trying to predict earnings per share. Not to say that this will be spot on. Who knows? But uh, you know he's he's got a great record on this. So well, let's pay close attention to that part. Um, so we're on Twitter Spaces at the same time as uh, YouTube Live, and we'll take some question and answers at the end. Uh, just going over the outline now of how this goes. If anyone's new, so Matt, uh, first we'll talk about the macro markets as usual. Um, I mean, it's really been brutal for uh, us growth and tech stock investors, especially folks who are heavy on Tesla like us. It's It's been a rough uh, few weeks, rough December, right? I mean, it's just uh, something, something's been, uh, something's changed, right? Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a, a little bit of a kind of, you know, coronavirus scare at, at the end of November, but, you know, it wasn't looking too bad, really. You know, it was, it was pretty strong for us, honestly. Um, for a lot of the growth names, but um, yeah, just like beginning of December, it's been kind of day after day. Uh, a lot of the, the the names that that we like have been kind of just pounded relentlessly. So not not the not the way we want to start our December, unfortunately. Um, no. But you know, I, I, it does seem like it's getting a bit overdone. I mean, there, there's not a lot, as as far as I can tell. Um, and and again, we we should say for the the Twitter Spaces listeners, none of this is investment advice. Um, you know, we're just right. kind of trying to open source our thoughts here. Um, so take everything we say with a grain grain of salt. We're not registered investment advisors. Um, mm -hmm. But it does it does seem that um, you know maybe some of the rotation out of uh, out, out of tech or some of the um, valuation like the multiple compression that, that we've been seeing is is probably over overdone in my mind um so you know it, it does seem like a there's a lot of kind of good opportunities to scoop up investments right now if you have the the kind of dry powder available to do so um but what, what's your what's your take i mean we've been talking i think yeah. probably for the last couple of weeks about how you know market jitters and you know fed rate concerns and and, and everything yeah, yeah. I, I agree with all of that. Um, this, you know, transitory inflation being removed, being, you know, basically Powell is backing off that language and suggesting they're going to start the taper earlier. And it just has a real magnified effect, you know, a domino effect maybe on um, valuations. And I think, like you said, it, it feels overdone. It doesn't mean it can't get much more overdone. It can continue to get overdone, you know, for, till the end of the year, potentially, I do see earnings, I feel like, you know, earnings, the, the, the Q4 earnings um, is sort of grounding, um, in a way to uh, as a backstop, like, you know, as as wacky as this free fall feels on the tech and growth stocks, you know, the, some of the best ones getting hit really hard, you know, Tesla, obviously, you know, and, and some of the other high flyers that people like, um, I think the earnings of Q4, you know, those coming out in January is going to be a real backstop, hopefully, to prevent, you know, a much further decline if it continues to decline until then. Um, that's my worst case scenario. Uh, 
you know. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm excited to, to go over the model today. I mean, it, it's a lot of the the kind of commentary I've been seeing on on Twitter has been kind of like macro commentary or you know some. Um, I don't know, scare tactics is maybe too strong of a word, but, you know, like criticism, I've seen a lot of criticism of Elon for the way that he's handling this, this, you know, share, you know, rather than doing like a, like a private secondary, he's, he's just kind of doing it on the open market uh, mm-hmm. via this, this kind of scheduled plan. Um, and th- there's been a lot of, of focus on what I would say is kind of non-fundamental, non-kind of operational items. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can kind of dive into how Q4 is uh, likely to, to pan out, or maybe not likely, but one one um, reasonable uh, estimate of, of where where we think uh, Q4 could could land, um, and how that translates to you know earnings and and some kind of implied. Um, like if you, if you do an annualized Q4 and do like apply a PE multiple to that, what does that say about the the current valuation? Now, because yeah. like you said, I, I do think that provides um, a nice backstop and, and frankly more of a backstop than than most people realize. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at like robo taxis or you know some of these like big new things and say like okay that's kind of needed to get us back to I don't know twelve hundred share or something like that and and that's just not my view at all. I, I've been I would say vocal about like, a, or a, you know, vocal, but a, an FSD realist. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've been one of the downer. The you've been one of the, the 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 you know people that's da- you know the Debbie Downers on full self driving on Twitter. <laughs> you've taken some slack for that I have, too. I haven't been like trying. I try to just be you know. Yeah, as, I know. You're as just reasonable as, as and you're possible, in Michigan, yeah. like maybe where you are, it's like not fitted well for those roads. Who knows? But yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, I think there's there's plenty of upside from here, um, even if you give zero credit for um, yeah. full self-driving. And and I, I don't think it's appropriate at all to give zero credit for full self-driving. Like, I think that's going to be a huge catalyst in, in the next two, three years. Um, you know, but I'm just trying to be honest about, uh, you know, where the where the current technology is. So anyway, a, a lot to, to kind of get into today. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm optimistic. It, it kind of hurts every day you're you're down a bit. Um, Tesla's yeah. been getting like battered day after day. It's like today's a good day because it's only down three percent. Like, yeah, it's just been kind of bizarre. I know it's it's rough, and uh, I mean, Arc Investments getting clobbered too. I mean, it's just uh, all the the growth hype innovators are getting hurt, hurt bad. But uh, I think you know they're they're poised for a strong rebound at some point. It's just how far can the rubber band get stretched before that rebound? You know, the farther it gets stretched, the faster and more, you know, stronger the rebound will be, I think. But, you know, you you just don't know when, uh, you know, this market's going to stop selling these names. You know, so so many people have owned these names for so long and selling maybe gains or I don't know. It's just... um, when you, when you have like mass psychology involved, uh, you know, that's what I find so fascinating about markets. It can be so irrational in both ways on the upside and the downside. And it feels right now irrational on the downside, but um, you know, the market is the, is the uh, ultimate judge and in time will tell us uh, where valuations should end up on these stocks. So time is on our side. If we could just make it a few weeks, if like, I always think with this, you know, if, if we could just make it a few more weeks till earnings with the stock, market just staying flat i'd love that you know like yeah I, it just i don't need the stock market to go up i just want it to stay flat the earnings come out for the next quarter and the quarter after that and then i'm like all right then our portfolio looks good from that point <laughs> forward but it's just in between now and then there's just lots of uh vibrations in the market 
such as today and the last few weeks have been a big down move. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny because the I mean, the move up to the 1200s was, I think, probably faster than we were expecting. And, and you know, the move yeah. down from there was, was probably also faster than we were expecting. So, yeah. you know, I think we're, we're certainly kind of in this, you know, price exploration territory right now. Um, you know, but I, I do think Gary Black has some really good um, insights on this. And, and, you know, he's been saying for weeks now that, that he thinks hedge funds have kind of been front running a lot of these sales uh, that, that Elon's been doing. And, and uh, they're, they're likely to close some of their short positions, um, you know, when, when it gets close to, to Elon, um, you know, completing his sales. And to me, that's a, um, a very kind of rational um, mindset. So if, if that is true, and of course, we don't know if it is or not, but, but if it is, and then you've got, you know, kind of uh, strong earnings numbers coming in the next month or so, and, and there's a host of other um, catalysts that, that I think are out there, then, then I think that we could have a, a pretty strong rebound, not that it will necessarily happen, but it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if we did kind of bounce back up $300, yeah. just like we bounced down $300. Yeah, I think the bigger point with Tesla's share price kind of declining, and I think there's an imbalance of buyers versus sellers, you know, big time. Obviously, that's what brings the price down. But I think instead of like, I, I don't know if it's so much being driven by shorts, like hedge fund shorts this time. I think it's more about just weak longs uh, who, are, mm -hmm. who are getting out, who are got, who have gotten out and who are, are waiting to get back in or are waiting to get in to begin. You know, if someone was making a decision to start buying Tesla, you know, institutional investors kind of half in, half out, like, oh, why don't we get in? Maybe they're going to wait until this Elon selling is over now, you know? Um, and then there's mm -hmm. week longs people who bought recently and they got freaked out by Tesla, Elon selling, like, let's get out, you know, and they just get out and they'll have to get back. They'll want to get back in at some point. But uh, there's just a lot of low conviction buyers of Tesla. I mean, you and I and most people that follow us are high conviction investors, long-term owners of Tesla for the most part, but there is a lot of weak conviction, uh, institutional portfolio managers, I think that, that do own Tesla because they feel like they have to, not because they believe in the company, maybe because it's part of the S and P and they don't want to get outperformed, but those weak conviction, weak conviction, uh, buyers or owners, I think are the ones that are, you know, uh, creating sort of this imbalance at the moment of, you know, um, making, you know, having resulting in the price going down every single day, almost, uh, as the selling continues. So, yeah, yeah. you know, along those lines, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Even arc is trimmed. Um, yeah, it, but, but not in, in the way that they usually trim of just kind of like maintaining their, their 10% target. They're, they're down to like 8.1% in, in their flagship fund. Um, I haven't I, seen I mean, that in the for, yeah. Yeah. So, so they're actually, you know, thinking that they have better investment opportunities if, if that's what, you know, kind of that um, uh, percentage portfolio implies about their, their conviction level. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of shocked that, that they've gone so low um, on that. I mean, that they used to hang that around, you know, like 11, 12% um, uh, kind of like near the high end uh, of where they had been. And, and they've just sold so many shares in the last, uh, I don't know, two, three months or so. They've had some drawdowns, um, which, yeah. which probably has been a, an indirect source of, of kind of Tesla price pressure and probably price pressure yeah. in all their their um, portfolio companies. Um, but the, the I think the rebalancing that they've been doing internally was, was pretty surprising to me. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it makes different. sense. It's different from the past. Yeah, in the past, I feel like when all their stocks are going down, they've kind of, I think Kathy Woods mentioned, they kind of fly to their safety as their highest conviction names. And Tesla right. was always that, you know. And, 
this is the first time you're not getting that signal from them where, you know, maybe they're changing their thought process or maybe they don't have as high conviction on Tesla as they used to. Um, so yeah, it's interesting and uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, especially when you, when you see them like, you know, kind of doubling down on, on like Robinhood and DocuSign and, and, um, yeah. and you know, Zoom. Coinbase and, and Zoom. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not saying any one of those is necessarily, you know, not a, not a great name, but I think it's, it's surprising to me that they'd have higher conviction in some of those names than, than Tesla. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, T Tesla is a trillion dollar, you know, it's just below now, but it's been about a trillion dollar market cap company. I guess their thought process, you know, maybe also they're being affected by Elon selling. They're just waiting until he's done selling. Then they're going to go back in, you know, but maybe they're thinking, you know, Tesla maybe goes up three X in best case scenario, the next two years, three years, but they think these other stocks could go up five X or something. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it is surprising. You know, they, they've been one of the most vocal investors of Tesla for a, year, a few years now. And, uh, they're, they're lightening up slightly, you know, but maybe they'll get back in if, if it drops lower, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I saw the news before we kind of get into the uh, earnings preview. So for those of you on Twitter spaces, again, this is being recorded on our YouTube live channel. We're going to go over Matt's uh, earnings per share early preview shortly of Tesla and his investment model and spreadsheets for that. Um, and uh, that'll be on the video recorded. So you can go back and watch anytime. Um, but before we go to that real quick, what was interesting is, uh, it looks like Giga Berlin is having some, a lot of problems getting their approvals for now. First it was trees. Now it's the water. Um, yeah. it just seems like this is going to go on for a long time. I could see this going on for a long time. All these kind of issues. It's like ironic, like, it, you know, the most likely outcome is the most ironic Elon says or whatever. And in a way it's like Tesla got, you know, the Giga Berlin up you know, really fast and it looked like it's, they had their, uh, you know, parade or, or, or whatever at their, their, their event at their, uh, at their factory, everything looks great, all ready to go. And then all of a sudden all these things happen. And like the, the people that want to stop Tesla are like, oh, let's wait till they get everything ready to go. And then we'll, we'll flood them with these lawsuits and they'll never open, you know? And I feel like that's could, that could be what's going on here. Like there's a lot of bad actors trying to stop Tesla in Germany, especially. So, yeah, I mean, I'm worried about this. I am too. I mean, this it, it seems like a, a, a pretty serious, um, you know, lawsuit that that's been filed by by environmentalists. And I mean, it, you're right. It, it's so ironic that like environmentalists would be stopping the progress yeah. of, of Tesla. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to wonder, you know, is that the the actual motivation, or is there some sort of you know connection to entrenched I don't know labor or, or like VW or you know, obviously I, we don't know anything like that. But it, it just seems. Um, completely counterintuitive that uh, you would kind of protest the building of, um, you know, electric car factory over environmental concerns. Uh, obviously, yeah. like that stuff needs to be handled right. And, and it sounds like Tesla Berlin is going to be using uh, a decent amount of water, um, you know, but kind of like suing to, to stop the progress is um, uh, it could very well be like a, a meaningful impediment to um, to production. It sounds like, from my understanding, uh, not that I'm an, any sort of expert in, in uh, German environmental law, uh, uh -huh. but it, it does sound like they can uh, at least start production. Um, but it, they may be kind of limited in, in the amount of water that they can draw, and and so therefore their their kind of production output. Um, mm. So it's going to be very uh, interesting to kind of see how that pans out. 
Yeah. I mean, I think perception-wise, it'll really hurt Tesla if this Giga Berlin factory doesn't have any meaningful production for all of 2022 because of this stuff. I think that'll hurt the perception of Tesla's ability to ramp things up globally like that they can. Um, but I think in reality, uh, there is some insurance with uh, with China and Giga Shanghai upping production rates, and they could really max that out even more, I bet. And China will just like love Tesla even more if they could become like a main export hub of electric vehicles to the rest of the world, even if it's through Tesla, not Xpeng or Neo. Like China would love just to be the manufacturer of the most electric vehicles, and they pretty much are already. I mean, they'll be even more so soon. And so, I mean, Tesla could be producing, you know, 1.5 at a run rate of like 1.5 million or 2 million a year in China by the end of 2020, at the run rate by the end of 2022, if they do another expansion later on, because they think this, you know, Giga Berlin is really going to delay things forever. I mean, I, I could see that happening. And then if they're producing so many cars out of China, exporting them to Europe, that's like their highest margin cars. That, that's yeah. what, what I understand is their highest margin cars are the ones they can produce in China and export to Europe. So if they can keep that going, that actually could be good for the bottom line in, in a way too. I mean, obviously the optimal solution is just have Giga Berlin up and running um, for logistics reasons, global supply chain, all that stuff. But you know, their their backup solution isn't that bad. Um, so yeah, it's although there there could be issues kind of emerging there too. I mean, there's there's some reports of you know November production out of Shanghai being slightly down um, mm. potentially due to supply chain concerns. I'm not yeah. sure if that's if that's necessarily true or not, but you know I think the wholesale numbers we saw last week were a bit of a disappointment, um, yeah. and there's been some whispers that uh, you know maybe production has has been been impacted somehow. So if 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 that's true, um, you know seeing how long that persists and uh, how how much that would impact any sort of ramp is is going to be pretty important. I mean we've, we've been hearing on every earnings call pretty much for the last you know 24 months about how challenging these supply chain issues have become. Um, but yet, despite that, they like muddled through and, and you kind of delivered this exceptional growth. And we've been a little bit spoiled just on, on their execution, how well they've, they've managed this. But it is I think we have to keep in mind that it's, it's it is possible that, you know, there, there could be some things that they just can't overcome on the, the supply chain side. So um, it's yeah. too early to tell if that's if that's really impacting things yet. I think even if it if it was a bit of an impact in in uh, in Shanghai in, in November, even into December, uh, it's still going to be a you know a pretty big increase i think quarter over quarter on, on kind of deliveries um but uh it's just i just don't want to take take uh progress on on shanghai for granted because it's yeah it's not easy that's true that's true i would say if there's any you know country in the world that can help shore up supply chain issues quickly it would be china just you know their government knows how to get things done you know and uh they don't let regulation or bureaucracy stand in the way, you know, so it just seems like if they can, you know, although they do favor the, I think they, I think the Chinese government would, if, it, if they had to choose between giving supply to Xpeng and Neo or Tesla, they would probably choose their own if, if there was an issue to, and not demand, demand was not an issue for any, any of those three, all things being equal, they'd give it to their own, I think. But aside from that, I think, you know, uh, hopefully it gets worked out in China with the supply chain. Yep, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, Elon, a couple of tidbits on Elon himself personally, uh, before we go to the earnings model, uh, person of the year and time that was interesting. I, I watched the whole like, uh, 35 minute time video and there's only like 
five minutes spread out about the 35 minutes of Elon talking and answering questions. And I was a little, it's basically a big marketing advertisement for Times Person of the Year process. And they're just really trying to like, I don't, I, I feel like I, I didn't, then I saw it on a bridge, like someone put a, a cut together of just Elon's talking of the time of the year interview. And that's all people want to see. Like, I don't know why they split it up into like 30 second segments of Elon answering questions every five minutes on that 35 minute video. But uh, yeah, oh, it, I actually didn't see that. I just read their, their article. Um, oh, okay. Which, which I thought was pretty, pretty reasonable. I thought it was pretty balanced and, you know, okay. talked about some of his quirks for sure, but also talked about a lot of the, the real stuff that he had made progress on that, that I think the yeah. general public still is probably unaware of. I mean, he talked about saving taxpayers billions on launches and that sort of thing. And yeah, uh, I'm like, Hey, all that's great that, that that sort of information gets out there. Yeah. But it was like yeah. hilarious. The article like led off talking about him, like, like tweeting on the, on the toilet and like making like jokes about that. It spent like two paragraphs about like splish splash jokes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, that's, that's your lead story. All right. Yeah. 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 And was it Walter Isaacson who wrote the article? Right. Yeah. So. Oh, was it? I don't know. I think so. I think he's writing the biography for Elon too. So this is. Uh, that makes sense. His, yeah. His first stab at kind of uh, writing something about Elon. So yeah, I mean um, it's good exposure for him like he, he doesn't need exposure we're in our own you know universe our own tunnel everyone listening to this all of you and i we're in our own tunnel but realistically it is good exposure i think like you said for the masses because there's so many people that don't really know who he is or what he's about and those people do some of those people do read time or are exposed to time magazine which has been around for ages so it is good exposure overall to the general public who otherwise is less aware of of how important elon is to society and uh and so forth. So I, I like it. And the hardcore history podcast he did, I listened to that uh, yesterday. And I know you listened to it, Matt. And it was really impressive his uh, detailed knowledge of not just aircraft, and they're like each one's like mechanical <laughs> advantages and defects, but but also like the battle, particular battles. And it was really, I was like, man, this guy is just like an encyclopedia of knowledge for everything. It's like, Man, you, you don't. Who needs a library if you have Elon in your house? Just ask him <laughs> anything; he'll tell you whatever you want. You know, and and it's like it's yeah. crazy. I was really impressed it, with his knowledge on that. I, I was really surprised by that. I mean, he's never really talked about, to my knowledge, maybe I just missed it, but he's never really talked about like history that much. Um, and then he just like shows up on this this podcast and is like, you know, talking about <laughs> like the the excellence of like the whatever particular engine you know that had like the, yeah. the best production capabilities and how you don't want to replace a part uh that was redesigned too many times you don't want to do that in the Pacific yeah. theater it, it was it was really impressive i mean i think last week on this on the show we, we talked about how he was like a, a polymath yeah and it was just like one more example of like here's one more you know like well of knowledge and apparently he he bought etymology.com because he's like a huge etymology fan and like loves learning, <laughs> learning about like the the history of origination words. of yeah. names and words. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Which, yeah, it's just, it was really I, I went and checked that out and it's just like an orange. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like his X.com where, you know, he just bought that. It just has like a single X as the entire yeah. website. He's a, he hasn't he's figured out what to do with it yet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's got plans eventually, but yeah, it's, uh, that was really cool. If anyone hasn't checked it out, it's worth it. Uh, um, and then, uh, all right, well, let's get to the Tesla earnings. You know, that's coming up. Uh, what probably the 
third or fourth week of January is when they'll probably uh, announce, you know, do their earnings report release and earnings call. And Elon's going to be on that earnings call to kind of help provide an update on the product roadmap. That's something we'll speculate on as time gets closer to that, I'm sure, further. So um, maybe, Matt, you want to try to share your screen and kind of walk us through. I know we have a couple hundred people on Twitter Spaces also listening. So, uh, you know, the people on, on YouTube Live can visually see it. But maybe you can try to do your best to talk things through, and I'll I'll see if I can uh, help. Yeah, yeah, way. sure. So I'll, I'll certainly do that. Anyone on uh, uh, listening on Twitter Spaces, feel free to jump over to, to YouTube Live if you do want to kind of follow along. Uh, you can always check it out later. Um, we'll, we'll post this. Uh, I think it actually posts automatically on our YouTube channel. So if you want to see the details, it does as soon as it's over. over. There. Yep. Uh, but I'll I'll try to do my best to to just walk through it. Um, so uh, can can you see my screen all right now? Yes. Yes, I see it. All right. So, um, you know, basically we just have the the three most recent quarters, you know, the actual results in here, at columns K through M. Um, my projections for uh, Q4 are in column N there. Um, so I've gone back through um, and kind of adjusted everything for the historical periods as, as well as I can. Uh, there are certain things like, for example, the full self-driving take rate. Tesla does not disclose that each quarter. Uh, so what I tried to do is back out the um, an, an estimate or back into an estimate uh, of what I think that spend. So eighteen percent right now, right? Eighteen percent for that for Q four. Yep. So so my estimates were yeah eighteen percent uh, basically just eighteen uh, percent in Q two and Q three, and I'm keeping that the same in Q four. And this is global um, or just in North America? This, yeah, this is global, um, and maybe just so for globally, eighteen percent of people you're estimating are taking full self driving with their delivery. They're taking that option. They're taking that option. Yep. Okay. Which, you know, is a bit of a change actually, because last quarter I was assuming a a pretty decent drop. I think I assumed it was going to drop from 18 down to 13% um, because you had the introduction of full self-driving subscriptions. Uh, But what they said on the call, what I think Zach said on the call was that they actually didn't see a a drop off in the purchase option, despite kind of the introduction of full self-driving subscriptions. So that was surprising to me and, and a bit counterintuitive. Um, so, so that does kind of create some extra margin potential over time. Um, maybe before we, we dump down or jump down too much, um, we should just talk about the, the delivery estimates. So I'm assuming, uh, just a, a modest increase in, in S and X deliveries, uh, from 9,000 to 12,000 and then mm-hmm. 265,000 three and Y to get to total deliveries in Q4 of 277,000. Uh, how so come not, such a not, modest uh, one question? How come you know last quarter we got 9,275 9, model S and X deliveries, which mm-hmm. is a big jump from Q two uh, of eighteen hundred or nineteen hundred? So how come such a small jump from from Q three to Q four just to twelve thousand? What's your your? It, it could be on the conservative side. You know, I I, I actually mm-hmm. had it at fifteen thousand uh, just this morning. And I, okay. I decided to drop it down. It, it seems like there have, you know, there haven't been as many X deliveries as, as far as I can tell, um, mm-hmm. as, as when they were kind of running at, at full production. So I think when they're mm-hmm. when they're running at at full production in a quarter, I, I think they get around twenty thousand uh, deliveries, and it just yeah. it seems unlikely to me that they're they're running anywhere near that right now with you know a, a lot of the kind yeah. of ramping that they're they're trying to do with Plaid. So maybe it's twelve, okay. maybe it's fifteen. Um, does it could be as high as twenty thousand by any chance, like with lots of Model S deliveries, or or no? I don't think so, because I mean, total capacity is a hundred thousand per year, I think, right? Uh, out of those, yeah. um, um, and so I think even 
I'd have to go back and check historically. Maybe I have the data in here, yeah. but they hardly ever like even so like Q4 2020, it was 19,000. Um, yeah. So even that was even as the when, next combined, you know, is that right? That's that the next combined. combined. Yeah. yeah. So, so this I, quarter I think, is mostly all S's and you're assuming like, even if they're maxing out the S's, maybe it's like 11, 12,000 S's or something. And maybe a couple thousand X's or something work, you know, best case. You're yeah. So you just put that, 12,000. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that, that's kind of the thought process there. Um, you know, I, I, I had this a little bit higher too, uh, the three and Y, um, this, um, uh, this morning before I, I went and kind of changed it down. I do think there's some, there's potentially some truth to the, to the rumors of, uh, supply constraints in China. And if that's true, yeah. then you wouldn't have, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking maybe this could be 300,000 or so, uh, but yeah. after the, the wholesale report last week that came out of Shanghai and, um, you know, yeah. I, I just think a, a more middle of the road uh conservative approach is is warranted given what we know right now so yeah. so that gets to two hundred seventy-seven thousand uh deliveries for the quarter um and then so obviously 18 percent of, of of that total would be full self-driving um um purchases and then mm -hmm. the thing that's new this quarter is that you have um subscription so i'm taking an estimate of the previous quarter's subscriptions and then adding 10% of new sales uh, to that total. So this would be full self-driving subscriptions should be something of like a, a cumulative aggregate over, over time. So as you get more quarter uh, more quarters under your belt of having subscriptions, you know you're going to generally have a lot more subscriptions being added than than being canceled. Um, mm. So so that's a, a way where essentially the the global full self-driving take rate is going to be higher than 18% because some amount of those uh, subscriptions will be. Um, so you have full 20, 27,700 full self driving subscriptions uh, cumulatively to date by yeah. the end of Q4. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's just an estimate. We don't really know the the details on those. Um, so yeah. hopefully Tesla starts breaking that down over time, but you know, it's for, right now they, they don't. Okay. Uh, so that gets to, to total automotive revenue, uh, excluding full self-driving and credits, uh, which is kind of my own metric, but I think it's it's helpful um, to, to kind of get to like pure play automotive revenues uh, of 13.4 billion. Um, then I'm assuming that there's not any incremental recognition of uh, deferred full self-driving revenue. Um, Wait, one quick question, Matt, about the full self-driving subscriptions of 27,700. Yep. That's as of the end of Q4 or at the start of Q4? At the well, end I mean, of Q4. I, yeah. Okay. So it, do you it does back build out slightly. Like, yeah. Do you back out any of, because some like a large percentage of those full self-driving subscriptions since it's only been live for a couple quarters now would probably only sign up in the month of December. So they might not even pay much for the whole month, for the whole quarter. Right. But yeah. um, it's probably overall, it's somewhat marginal, marginal for the whole earnings estimate, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah. So um, it's, there's a there's a concept in financial modeling called um, the mid period convention. So you you kind mm -hmm. of for something like like that you assume that um, you would basically count the revenues, <clears throat> excuse me, like in in November, mm -hmm. and multiply those by by three, and that would be your uh, estimate for that period. So that's mm -hmm. essentially what I've done here. Um, okay. It's okay. it's hard to tell, uh, but but they they launched this. I forget exactly which month they launched this in in Q three, but um, I think it, do you remember off the top of your head, Emmett? Yeah, I think it was, it was in like, July. I think it was July. Oh, was it July? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So based on, on my modeling, I assumed it was 20 million in Q3 and then it, it jumps to 55 million in Q4. 
Um, okay. So part of that would be, wow. um, I, I thought it was a little bit later in Q3. So maybe, maybe it was end of July or early August, but I thought it was July. I thought it was around Independence Day, somewhere around there, but yeah. I could be wrong. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's it a, why you're talking. Yeah, all right. It's it's a small percentage of, of the kind of overall revenues and margin. So it doesn't drastically move the, the needle one way or another, but um, it will be, I would say, increasingly important over time. Um, but it's going to be hard to hard to fact check that if uh, the IR team doesn't give us more details. Um, so maybe just while, while you're looking that up, I'll just comment. July on a 22nd, I think. July 22nd. So you had, I think like, that's why I see a consumer reports article about it. Yeah. So basically you only had you know, like two of the three months, uh, which would have been available for um, revenues mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in Q3. So there's, you'd need to um, extrapolate that like the the 20 million that I was estimating would basically be like 30 million. And then you're adding in another quarter um, yeah. of, of um, higher delivery volumes also. Um, so to me, yeah. that looks about right that it should, you know, more yeah. than double, almost triple. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, July sixteenth. Although you have a whole bunch of yeah, it should it should go up. I mean, you have a whole bunch of people maybe waiting to get it that all sign up at once, July mid July as soon as it opens up, and then so maybe the take rate just uh, is not as high going forward for new. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be very interesting. It's a little bit yeah. of a variable. And and I would think once they actually get full self driving to kind of wide release um, instead yep. of this beta, the subscription rate should go up uh, quite a bit. Because um, yeah. I mean, if I were in a yeah. position to to consider subscribing right now, I don't really think I would. Because like, what I've got to get my safety score up to get yeah, uh, the benefit exactly. of, the, of the features other than navigate on autopilot, which is like really the only one yeah. that's that useful right now. I mean, the other stuff's yeah. kind of almost like a. a gimmick is is too negative of, of a term but like the driving in a straight line on city streets is not particularly useful i i don't yeah you think q1 or q2 sometime it'll be more widely available i mean they're progressing yeah. pretty fast with these new releases and elon seems very confident with this new release he should saying it should be called 11.0 so yeah. a few more confidence intervals you know signals to me a few more nines maybe a couple more nines of of safety, you know, uh, hopefully, and maybe that's the point where they can wide release it, but, but they'll yeah, still want people it, to be sitting in the car and pay attention and not have to sign all, you know, electronically agree to all kinds of disclaimers every time they turn it on and such. Yeah. And you can imagine, um, when they do get to that point, then, then you'll have this huge kind of, uh, margin benefit of recognizing a lot of this, this, um, you know, deferred revenue that's been building up on the balance sheet. Yeah. So 1.7 I mean, 1. 1. billion is that we see, right? Is, yeah. is, is my estimate. Um, I mean, the, the total deferred revenue balance is higher than that, but this is the portion that I believe is um, applicable to full self-driving. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this this uh, balance just continues to kind of grow at, at an exponential rate. Um, and at some point they'll, they'll start recognizing that and that'll, that'll flow through the financials, which yeah, obviously that's, that's a benefit that I think um, a lot of analysts will um, adjust out. So like you could imagine if there it's was a one-time $1 dollar. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, that's a one-time thing, but then you have to also remember that like half of the revenue for full self-driving for a current period sales is still not recognized. So that's not a one, one period thing. Yeah. Um, so that's even, true. even though you're deferring 42% of full self-driving revenue, there's still 300 million in sales, uh, mm -hmm. or a recognition of, of, uh, new. So 
if you, if you could recognize all of that right away, then there'd be, you know, 575 million of full stop driving recognition. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's not a, a negligible impact to, to just be able to recognize current period sales. And that's something that I don't think most analysts are, are accounting for. Yep. Um, so then moving down, um, credits, credits have been a little bit low the last, uh, last they two have quarters. Been. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I believe, uh, based on, I, I think the, the accounting for credit sales, uh, it's very similar to, uh, accounting that I used to see in when I was doing renewable energy credit sales, uh, where, where they're essentially recognized in the period when the credits are transferred, not when the kind of underlying delivery takes place. So mm -hmm. like I would always talk about them as this phantom asset because there was no journal entry uh, at the time the credit was generated. Mm. Um, so so you can have like a huge buildup of production and then, then you can essentially just deliver the credits whenever you want to. And, yeah. and you get this this kind of big influx, both of um, cash flow, but but also of earnings. Um, yeah. So it seems likely to me that that's something that, that's been going on in Q2 and Q3 when, when those you know deliveries were going up, but credit sales were going down. Yeah. Um, so I've assumed a, a modest increase here to 400 million, uh, excuse me, 400 million. It wouldn't surprise me if that was actually as high as, I don't know, 750 or 800 million. Uh, just yeah, because I wouldn't be surprised. Up. Yeah, the phantom asset is a great way to describe it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a phantom asset, if it was like 2 billion of phantom assets sitting on their balance sheet there that it could start like materializing when they, but I'll, although that would be well, that's, based that's on what they think it doesn't even go on the balance sheet. It's like, yeah, there's yeah, no it's way like to a 2 billion it. phantom asset sitting there. There's, there's no, no journal entry at all. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. most bizarre accounting. It, like, it until makes no sense. Until they decide to deliver it or sell it or, or until they transfer it, right? And they sell it. And, mm -hmm. but they also, I, I know the, the, the mechanism of them selling it is dependent on what the buyers are willing to pay. Like they don't want to, yep. they probably don't want to sell it for pennies on the dollar. I think Elon has made comments in the past. They're selling it for like half or even less than half of what they're worth or something. So there's a lot of variable valuation in that phantom asset. No one can really figure out, but at maximum it's value could be like billions of dollars of a phantom asset. But in rea reality, they might only sell it for a quarter of what the fan, you know, the maximum value would, could be. Yeah. And, and so it's certainly possible that, you know, kind of those low credit sales we saw in Q2 and Q3 um, were just the result of, of um, decreases in price rather than, you know, kind of like building yeah. up this phantom asset. So if that's the case, then then maybe we can, you know, expect a continued downtrend in credit sales. Yeah. Um, but you know it would be great like if we could find someone, a specialist who's, you know, call it like the phantom asset interview or something, just a specialist on the energy sales. I mean, there's got to be people out there that like their livelihood is revolving completely around buying and selling these regulatory credits. And they understand the ins and outs as well as anyone. If we, if anyone who's following us or, 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 uh, you know, wants to tweet Matt and I an idea of someone who can, who, who can shed some more light on this phantom mass, you know, <laughs> it would be really cool. I'd love to interview someone who understands it better because it is a huge variable that no one can really figure out, but you know, the more we can understand it, the better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Assuming that they're they're using the same accounting as as I was using in in my old job, which I believe they are, um, yeah. Then you know, really, you would just need someone that has the the knowledge of of these different credit markets, because um, I I understand the accounting, but you, th yeah. there's these markets in California, there's there's yeah. you know, markets in in Europe, and yeah, um, who's got what percent of their obligation filled, um, yeah, and kind of kind of what those contracts are. I know there was yeah. a there was a big deal with Stellantis, but there I haven't seen any news on that in the last like twelve months. Me neither. Um, 
So yeah, if, if anyone knows more details about that, we'd, we'd love to kind of yeah. Pick please reach out to us. We'd love to interview you about it. Yeah. All right. Sorry to disrupt. Keep going. Yeah. No. No worries. Uh, so I have a separate kind of more detailed model that I've excluded here uh, that builds up lease revenue. Um, oh, I've so seen that, some of that. That's pretty complicated. Yeah. You it's don't a, need to go it's a bit of a monster. Right uh, so I won't go into that one. <laughs> but yeah. there's an output from that that feeds in here, and so I'm assuming 410 million of lease revenue. Um, okay. And then I've got energy revenue increasing about 30% quarter over quarter. And then mm -hmm. services revenue um, also increasing about 30%. Uh, mm -hmm. Services actually declined in, in Q3 and energy sales were basically flat in Q3, um, which is a little bit surprising to me. Um, but it, it's I, I think we're probably going to see a big increase in um, impact deployments on energy. They have energy yeah. revenue at one point, one, uh, just over a billion, a billion yeah, and 48 million, million 1.048 yeah. okay and services 1.028 billion okay yeah um and services uh we'll talk about this more in a minute but services includes used cars used vehicle sales oh that's big uh, yeah which is um you know historically services has been like a money losing part of the business you know you think of like supercharging and like premium connectivity and a lot of things that uh, presumably they run close to break even, but with used car prices in general and used Tesla prices in particular being yeah. so resilient right now, uh, this has become a source of, of increasing margins over time. So maybe uh, we'll, we'll touch on this in just a second when we get down to margins, uh, but adding all that together gets to total revenue of 15.893 billion, uh, which mm. is a increase of just over 2 billion from, uh, from Q3, if, if this is correct. Okay. Um, so then uh, one, one of the things that I do differently in, in this model versus I think anyone else um, is, is I, I break out what I call core manufacturing gross margin. So think of this as, as automotive margin where you exclude full self-driving, uh, like the gap portion of full self-driving revenue and regulatory credits. Um, so I, I've kind of back tested this, like I was saying at the beginning. And so in Q3, yep. that increased to 26.7% based on, on my estimates. Uh, which was a huge surprise, I, I think, to, wow. to most people. Yeah, it's big. Um, but in Q4, I think you've got those same trends. You don't have Berlin and Austin online yet, so so you're not getting like the depreciation drag on on uh, from those plants. Uh, instead, you just have like kind of continued operating leverage coming out of uh, Shanghai in particular, uh, but also Fremont. You've got the you know Model S line and, and X line contributing a little bit more than than they they were in Q3. Um, and, and then on top of that, probably the, the bigger driver is you have uh, price increases, which have been stuck in the backlog really in, in most of Q3, I think. Uh, so some mm -hmm. of those will start to come through in Q4. That's a big deal, um, those price increases. Yeah, I think yeah, I think 28% is, you know, I, I mean, I guess I'm just a Tesla bull and bias, but I feel it's, like the, the total revenue number you're being kind of conservative on and the core manufacturing you're being, the, the gross, you know, I feel like it could be like, 16.5 billion total revenue and like 29 or 30 percent core manufacturing gross margins but i'm just so bullish on tesla yeah. so probably well, well so we'll, we'll do a couple sensitivity analysis uh once once we yeah. finish getting through them we're, we're almost through i mean you know really gross yeah. margins the, <laughs> the most important stuff and then All we right. can kind of blast through the other stuff and then we'll run some sensitivities but um okay so so you know 28 i agree with you it could be on the conservative side but i, I think at least it stands to reason that there should be a a at least one percent, I think, um, increase in that core manufacturing gross margin this quarter yeah. for those reasons. Unless there's just like kind of crazy supply chain issues that, that we're not aware of, which yeah. is possible, but I think it's unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, 
So then you get uh, gross manufacturing or you get uh, automotive gross uh, margin. Then you add back in your, your full self-driving and like acceleration boost and some of those other kind of like software based uh, margins. Yep. Add back in your credits and you get to total automotive margin of 4.578 billion, uh, which translates to 33.1%, uh, which is a, a like phenomenal number that like analysts two years ago or even six months ago probably thought would like would not happen. Um, wow. So, so this, we've said this a couple of times, this could be a local high. I mean, I, I think as you get um, yeah. Berlin and Austin online, that that's probably going to drag margins down a little bit up until they get to the point where they're kind of producing it at uh, margins more like um, Shanghai. Um, yeah. Maybe the, and they probably won't ever get quite that high, but um, you, you know, yeah. you'll have that kind of ramping issue that, that we saw when Shanghai ramped. Um, so, so. Uh, putting all that together, energy gross margin, I'm assuming that's zero. Um, you know, historically, that's kind of bounced around between minus a few percent and positive a few percent. And then yep. services has, has almost always been negative. It was minus 1.8% last quarter. Uh, I'm assuming that just is, is zero in a slight improvement to zero in the used car sales stuff. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. The, the used car sales, I think, is probably the biggest thing. Um, Okay, and you've seen you've kind of seen that over the course of this year. I mean, it went from minus seven point eight to you know minus three point seven. Yeah, it's minus one point eight. So you've you've seen um, during this this period of time when used car prices have been rising, uh, that, yeah. that that gross margin has been rising a little bit as well. Yeah, I've seen anecdotal stories going around this quarter in particular of people saying, "Oh, I, I traded in my Model Three, which had full self driving on it for forty five thousand, great price, and I saw them resell it without full self driving for fifty. 55,000 or something, you know, it's like a loaded model three. And, and so I, you see these turnaround stories by Tesla, these anecdotal turnaround stories of them. They must have really impressive, uh, margins on the services for, I would say for the rental, I mean, not for the rental, for the, uh, resale, uh, value yeah. stuff. So yeah, I could see that being zero or even positive, but yeah, yeah we'll it, see. I think in, in one thing I get really excited about that I think a lot of people forget is that in Q2 of next year, that they start getting the original Model 3 leases back from like, you know, 2017, I think it was, because those were oh, yeah. four year leases. I remember. And those so those, leases, like yeah. Tesla required basically that the, that, um, the, the users your car back. buy them back. Yeah. So Tesla's going to have this, this influx of new used vehicles with an incredibly yeah. high residual value. So that's yeah. going to be like a gross margin boon in, in Q2 that I think most people have just kind of like forgotten about. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. that's that's the most exciting thing on the horizon, I think, uh, on services. Uh, but anyway, total gross profit of 4.578 billion uh, or 28.8% all in. Um, okay. I've assumed a, a kind of modest increase on R&D up to 672 million. Uh, same thing on the SG&A up to 627 million. And then stock-based compensation increasing a little over 100 million. And that is potentially on the conservative side as well, because I think it's likely that Elon's um, CEO compensation plan is starting to kind of wind down the quarterly um, gap yeah. um, uh, hit that, that that's going to be providing. Um, yeah. But with the workforce growing and um, these SBC awards for new employees, I think that's my, my thinking is anyways, and I could be wrong on, on the exact math of how that pans out, but my thinking is that the the kind of new employee SBC is, is going to outstrip Elon's kind of uh, decreasing CEO performance package uh, impact. Mm -hmm. um, so that gets to total operating income of 2.686 billion. And then we'll just kind of zoom through these, these other items down here. 
uh, gap net income of 1.88 billion attributable to common mm-hmm. stock, uh, gap income or earnings per share of 1.67 billion, and then adjusted wow. EPS of two two dollars and twenty cents. Wow. Um, so that's so, kind of your conservative number at the moment with this model. Your somewhat conservative numbers, two dollars and twenty cents. Yeah, and it's I, I put out a, a thread I think last quarter where. I basically said, like, I, I, I don't want to try to go high. I don't want to try to make like aggressive assumptions or, or bullish assumptions on everything. I want to try to get like a middle of the road estimate for each one of these numbers to arrive mm-hmm. at a, like a middle ground. So this is mm-hmm. kind of like um, like my middle of the road, like P50 um, probability yeah. of, of what I think could happen. Wouldn't surprise me, you know, if, if like there's some more bad news than I expected. And maybe it sounded mm-hmm. like $2 or, or more good news than, than I expected. And it's, you know, 240 or something like that. So maybe yeah. we can take a stab now at, at like, let's, let's run through some of your assumptions. What would you have changed on some of these? And we can look at what that, what that earnings per share impact would look like. Yeah. So go back to, um, you know, deliveries of model S and X to 15,000. All right. Oh, and uh, price increase. We didn't talk about that either. I basically assumed a modest price increase on, on three and Y uh, translating okay. through here, but nothing on S and X. Um, okay. So if you want to adjust any of those, we can do that also. Yeah, no, I think that's fine. I mean, um, the model S and X should be a little bit, I, I think there's more a, a higher uh, ratio of long range model X is getting delivered now than the plaid. So maybe we want to lower that price. I'm thinking sure. just like, like 115 or something like that. Yeah. one ten maybe. I don't know. Um, right. Uh, this is like, inclusive of all the options and everything, like your paint color and all that. Yeah, yeah. I just think there's a lot of people that are doing the long range model less basic, you know, uh, no, not too much stuff. Just um, that's my suspicion. And then uh, the model three and why let's move that up to 275. So let's say. Okay, 290. Uh, and what else was I looking at that I thought was uh, low? Um, uh, you mentioned the core manufacturing margin, but do you want to adjust full self-driving or any of those other things? No, I think that's fine. That seems about right to me. I'm just putting my own personal estimates in this. Uh, it's a little higher. Oh, credits. Uh, that was the credits. other one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put that at, let's put that at six, at 600 million. All right. Okay. Cause I think this could be a surprise, you know, every few quarters they have kind of a, a you know, a back. It swings back the pendulum swings back towards and they've been selling so many cars the last few yeah. quarters they have so yeah, many credits accumulated they're going to be selling more you know i mean, I mean 600 point. could even be a low ball here yeah let's move that up to 750 yeah let's move that to 750. so now I, now I would say it's on the aggressive side but not unreasonably so i don't think it's not unre- it's on un- it's not unrealistic but it's aggressive yeah it's it's possible um and then the uh what was the the ZUV credit okay um Go to the services uh, margin. Where's that? A little further down. Uh, do you want to do the core manufacturing margin? Though? I thought you were yeah, yeah, do that. that. Yeah, yeah, put that at twenty nine percent. All right. Yeah. So uh, almost a, okay. It's just a two point three percent increase. That's actually not that crazy. Not that um, crazy, services... but I think they have operating leverage. Yeah. So services. Yeah. Let's make it. Um, let's make it positive two percent. Yeah. So even that doesn't move the needle too much. It's only twenty one million. Yeah. But it's okay. Uh, it's not it's too a much. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, these are all like realistically positive things I'm thinking. I'm not going like outside the box, like the best, best scenario. I'm thinking like, what's my top quadrant of positive, yeah. you know, like the bottom of the line, 75%, you know, 
you know, line. You were at the 50-50. Now I'm at like the 75% line of reasonable positive estimates in my mind. So, all right. So let's go down. I guess that's all the main things. I mean, I'm not going to change the cost SGNA or anything like that. So, yeah. so um, let's those couple that. changes are, are to get to $2.67. So a, a wow. pretty drastic change in earnings per share impact. Yeah. There. Wow. Wow. So that goes from one the last quarter, as you can see on the spreadsheet, was a dollar eighty six, which was a huge surprise. And this quarter it could be two sixty seven, another huge surprise, you know. So um, one of the thing that may be aggressive here is they've had a, a very low effective tax rate the last couple quarters. Let me just see what this is. Okay. Um so uh, that's not right. Two and a half percent. Uh oh god, I grabbed the wrong line here. Okay. So in Q3, it was, you know, just under 12%. I'm assuming that's going to normalize back to 25% because 12% just okay. seems way too low to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's assume it's 15% instead of 25%, uh, which is certainly possible. Yeah. Um, and that gets to 296. Wow. Um, so that, I mean, that could be another impact as well that, you know, just kind of moves that, that bottom line number. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know what consensus is, right? I haven't checked in a couple of days. Let me let me pull it up here. So consensus for Q4 now is, let's see, 192. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> this is a this would be a pretty drastic beat uh, on on that number. Yeah. But huge. 192 just seems like like dumb to me. Like that, like yeah. That's like the most conservative number I could I could really like reasonably fathom. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like we just gotta make it. Like hope the market just kind of stabilizes at the very least for the next month <laughs> until these earnings come out because it's like there's no way earnings are like below two dollars in my mind. You know, and it, more likely it's like two dollars and fifty cents or potentially higher. You know, maybe as high as three dollars, like we're saying here, possibly. You know, but it just seems like yeah. I mean, the institutional portfolio managers, the analysts, sell side analysts and buy side analysts, most of them don't understand Tesla enough on this scale uh, to understand, you know, how, how much it's growing. You know, I think Elon tweeted the other day or re, you know, confirmed a tweet, like the most underestimated thing is underestimating Tesla's, you know, <laughs> potential going forward yeah. or something. And I think that's true. I think, uh, a lot of these so-called quote unquote analysts, they're not just following Tesla stock. Like you and I, we follow Tesla stock with like 50% or more of our time, you know, like most analysts have several stocks to cover and, you know, multi, you know, they're, they're just not yeah. well, ver they haven't been doing it for years either. And they're just kind of like piggybacking off of other people who are covering several stocks. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's really an advantage information advantage for us, retail investor type folks who focus on Tesla. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, and, and just to give an idea of the kind of backstop that we're, that we're talking about on, on this core business. Um, so you assuming 296, which is maybe on the, on the most aggressive side, but let's just, you know. And, and real quick, just for anyone who's anyone who's listening on spaces, we're also on just so we're talking about a spreadsheet Matt is showing on YouTube live right now on the Good Soil Investment YouTube channel. I know a number of people have left Twitter spaces to, I think, go to the YouTube live channel, but. If anyone else who's joined recently in the Twitter spaces wants to see what we're talking about, they can do that. But this is recorded. It'll be shown on our YouTube live channel as soon as we're done recording, you know, recording this. Anyway, sorry, Matt, go on. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. So one of the things I like to do from time to time, just as like a, a 
you know, very kind of back of the envelope, um, just rough check on kind of the how the core operations backstop the price is I just take the most recent quarter and annualize it. So if you take this 296, which is admitted, admittedly aggressive, but, you know, if you yeah. assume say that, $3, let's say $3 aggressive. Okay. Um, so if you an annualize that, it's like $11.90 of like annual earnings. And then at the 930 stock price, which it's trading at right now, that's a PE of just 78, which wow. is like, oh my like gosh, crazy <laughs> low for a company growing top line by 50% per year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with a huge technology advantage and with huge, yeah. uh, optionality, uh, on top of that with, you know, yeah. all the things that, that we talk about, like autonomy and, and got to load up uh, the truck. Yeah. It was any shares as you can. Yeah. It's, that's insane. So, uh, and I forget what, do you remember what was my, my, was it 226 or something like that? Here, let me just back it off. Yeah. I undo some of these changes. Um, to get back to my initial model if I can. So that, so then we're at 227. Then if we do the same thing, mm -hmm. the 227 annualized, um, change my formatting here. Sorry, everyone. Um, so that's, you know, just over $9 on an annual basis. And then the 930 current stock price over that is a PE of 100. 102. So, wow. you know, e even that seems really conservative. And if, if you were to do a forward PE, which is, which is the way most of most analysts do that, um, it would be even lower. Cause you know, your 227 would be probably your lowest earnings per share of any quarter in, in the year 2022. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think if you do it that way, it'd be, I don't know, it probably wouldn't be cut in half, but it would be closer to, I don't know, 60 or 70. <laughs> so like the PE is just, the PE is going to backstop this, this company. I, I feel pretty yeah, strongly I about agree. that. I agree. And so if just you, give if it a long reasonable... time horizon. It's going up significantly from here. It doesn't mean the stock can't go to like $500. so irrationally yeah. in a downturn, like that could happen. So just be careful, you know, um, you know, the stock market can be very, I mean, Tesla was at two, like split adjusted $40 a share not long ago, a few years ago, you know? So, um, it was, it was that low for a few years, you know, going up yeah. to 2018, 2019. And, you know, many people who owned it all that time saw this, you know, coming where this saw the success of where it is now coming for year, you know, and we all thought it was crazy that the stock was so low and yeah. kept thinking I was like, I must be going crazy because something <laughs> either I'm like, way wrong or the market's way wrong, but I'm I'm sticking to my guns, you know, but this, I mean, this like, is yeah. exact. This is the exact model I used in 2019 to kind of load up my truck personally. Uh, Cause I was like, the, the analysts are wrong. Like yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but I think I know this, this stuff. And they, they just, they, they were assuming a retraction in gross margins from from where they were in, in Q3 of 2019. And that just made no yeah. sense to me because Fremont was going to continue to be optimized and you were going to add in Shanghai afterwards. So like, I, I do think this this kind of information advantage that we talk about is, is legitimate. And, and I think we're at a really reasonable backstop position from a share price perspective right now. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a, lot, a long time about that. Let's, Alex, <laughs> yeah, you're okay. No, no, it was good. I think it was good for everyone. Good for me. I mean, that was the first time I really went in detail with you about it this quarter. And um, it was good to see. And, and just so everyone knows, Matt has been, Matt, how close were you the last couple of quarters? You got to put up that chart again. I think you've put some charts up. And you're such a humble guy. I know you don't want to like tout your own, 
you know, uh, accuracy, but what was it the last couple of quarters? Well, I'm, I'm so humble that I like make these charts of my <laughs> accuracy. So I, maybe I'm not that humble, but. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep it private unless I force you to show it. So, <laughs> so here's here's the, like my historical accuracy chart. So so the, the figures in black here are the actual numbers that Tesla posted. And then mm -hmm. the figures in green are my estimates and wow. figures in red are, are Wall Street's estimates. So like Wall Street has every quarter except for Q4 2020, they've been yeah. significantly under Tesla's actual uh, estimates. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like they just don't seem to learn their lesson. And and part of it is complicated because like it's hard to do the, the detail build up on like what percentage of revenues are full self-driving related and then kind of what amount is um you know currently recognizable that changes mm -hmm. over time and, and it's a decent amount of work to kind of track that um so i don't completely begrudge them but they've just been so wrong and, and it's like when are you when yeah. are you gonna learn um yeah. so that's where they were um i haven't added in q4 here but you know if we're at you know roughly 227 um yeah. and then so approximately uh, half, ha approximately half the quarters, you've been like spot on, like dead accurate, and you've had a couple misses along with the street. Other, you know, the street has had missed every time, but you missed in Q Q two or something. And um, but you've yeah, been really so, close a number of times. You've been like very like within a penny or something last quarter. So, so it, the you know, absolute the absolute value of my variances has been nineteen percent on average. And the okay. absolute value of Wall Street's variance has been 63%, which is wow. like horrible. But yeah. it, it's heavily weighted towards like uh, two years ago when they were just like off by 100% all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah. even still, they've been, you know, not super accurate in the last, last couple yeah. quarters. Yeah. I mean, if you take out your outlier of Q2, um, you know, of the, of 2021, you've been pretty, you've been super close this year. I mean, that's the one quarter you, but everyone was off that quarter, I think, if I recall. So yeah, so kind of Tesla really surprised on on that. I I can't remember the exact situation that was going on there. There, were, I think there were some supply chain concerns and um, yeah, they were you know really just overcoming. You know, I was kind of thinking there there was a reasonable chance that their cost structure would have yeah. increased more yeah. than you know their their revenues did, but um, I was wrong. They like like look at this this jump that they had in that in that period um yeah. you know kind of uh, drastic they've been increasing a couple cents here and there and i was still yeah. just assuming they would follow that trend you know just increasing a couple yeah. cents and instead they you know just kind of had a step change and then again in in q3 they had another step change yeah um, yeah so yeah and amazing so let's get to i i mean alec if it's okay he's running our, our back end stuff let's do questions for like 15 minutes uh, q a for 15 or 20 minutes um, because we haven't done any, we've gone into this and, uh, we'll just answer as many questions as we can in 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, we'll try to put a stop, hard stop at like 10 55 AM Pacific time, if that's all right. Uh, for melody of 1974 question, have you bought any Tesla on this downturn? <laughs> I wish, I wish, uh, you know, we were so fully vested in Tesla. It's, it's, uh, it's tough to buy more when you're already like, you know, maxed out on it. Um, I wish I had dry powder. I would have had to sell Tesla at a higher price to get enough dry powder to buy more, but I didn't even want to sell it when it was at $1,200, you know? So, um, no, I have not bought more. Um, I'm tempted to figure out ways to buy more. Uh, I just haven't, haven't done it yet. No. Yeah. Good question though. Next question. 
Digital Blade CA question. What do you think macro would look like for growth stocks with inflation fears in February and March? Matt, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's so hard to say. I mean, I, I kind of think we're, this will have um, mostly blown over by that time. Um, it, you know, it's, it's certainly possible that we'll kind of be in either a worse downturn or some sort of, I don't know, continuation of, of the uncertainty. Um, but a lot of these growth stocks, I, I think, are starting to look like value stocks for the reasons we just pointed out with Tesla. Um, you know, I think people who aren't following this closely look at Tesla and say, geez, it's it's expensive. It's a trillion dollar company uh, yeah. and it's only got like, you know, uh, $50 billion of, of revenue. Um, but that like that's a short sighted. That's a that's an overly simplistic analysis that will give you the wrong answer. And so I don't know how long it's going to take for this to, to pan out. But I do think that a lot of the growth stocks, uh, at least the ones that continue to execute operationally, uh, will um, their operations will either force them to grow into their valuation or, or to, to raise the valuation. Question from D. What's after Elon exercises all his 12 tranches of his performance plan? Will he sign a new plan or announce some sort of multi-year departure transition plan away from Tesla to focus on Mars? I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new plan, you know, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's not. I don't know. I'd, I'd say it's like 50-50 whether there, it's a significant possibility there's a new plan that gets put in place in the next year or so just to like, you know, keep him uh, attached to the hip with Tesla, uh, for longer and, and such. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, uh, there is no plan. I mean, how much bigger can a, a plan get? How many trillions are you going to give him? You know, like, you know, imagine the backlash, uh, from Warren and Sanders and such those saying <laughs> Elon's got a $10 trillion compensation package. If Tesla gets to a hundred trillion dollar valuation or something like that, you know, so it would just, uh, so maybe for that reason, he's just going to say, now nah, just, you know, be product architect long-term or whatever. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, well, I just side comment. I love the irony of Senator uh, Warren saying Elon needs to pay his fair share of taxes. I'm like, he's, <laughs> he's got a $15 billion tax bill. Like, yeah. Are, he's about are to you put the biggest, not his fair share or like what? Pay, the, pay the biggest tax bill. And I think history of any individual taxpayer in a year, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like, it's just, just like so infuriating but anyway uh the, the, as for the question itself i i personally don't think there will be another performance plan um you know i, th I think he's got his mindset on on spacex and and you know getting the um uh, starship figured out and you know mars colonized i think if i'm reading between the lines uh, of elon's attentions I, I think he needs to get autonomy kind of solved and and if he does that he doesn't frankly need another kind of like uh, employee or uh, CEO incentive award to, to get that done. Um, so I think it may be more of an attack vector to have something like that, where he's awarded like another 10 million shares or something like that. Because uh, yeah. he's going to have all the upside he really needs, just to, like <clears throat> you can imagine if the stock four or five X's, if they solve autonomy, then he's got all this cash flow he can use to fund Mars. Like that's all he needs. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't think there will be another performance plan, but we'll see. Next question from Martin Muldoon. What's the latest with Austin ETA? Um, seems really soon. Uh, I mean, everything I've been seeing says like, you know, they're doing kind of like limited production right now. Um, 
I kind of think they'll do something like I think Shanghai started like right, right at the very end of December. What was that in 20, 2020? I think it was right. Or was it 2019? Um, yeah, I couldn't remember one of those years. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems very similar. I, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, whether it'll be a, a, a few weeks here or there. It, it doesn't really matter from, from my perspective, but um, I, you know, I think you'll have limited production in Q1 and just kind of ramping through all of, of 2022, just like you saw with Shanghai a couple of years ago. I would agree. Yeah. From Yi Wan, uh, why are you guys using non-GAAP earnings to calculate PE forward PE? That's what Wall Street uses. Um, nobody really looks at GAAP earnings. Um, the, the biggest add back in there is stock-based compensation, which is a non-cash expense. Um, so most companies it will will add that back, um, and that's just that's the way Wall Street looks at it. So when whenever you're talking about PE ratios, uh, you want to use non-GAAP, not GAAP. From Justin Matos, question: Thoughts on yesterday's Rocket Lab acquisition of Sol Aero? The webcast was interesting. If you haven't watched it, um, I have not seen the Sol Aero uh, webcast. If um, but yeah, I think Rocket Lab is just trying to become, you know, end-to-end uh, -end space services launch provider all in one. And this is just another piece of the puzzle they're adding. Uh, I like it. Uh, you know, I think it was a few tens of millions of dollars they spent on it. Um, but it just com helps complete their um, total solution they can provide. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, the stock's up today. Uh, you know, it's been down a lot the last few days. So maybe the stock's reacting to it today. Uh, hard to say. It's not a very liquid stock. So it could just be, you know, one institutional buyer just coming in and say, let's buy a million shares of Rocket Lab or something, you know. So who knows why the stock's up, you know, 7% today. It could be that. But uh, um, I'm happy with, I like it when they make strategic acquisitions. I'm, I'm confident in Peter Beck's ability to assess uh the strategic acquisitions uh, you know if it wasn't for peter beck i would be suspicious but I, I do have confidence in him just listening to him enough what do you think matt yeah i agree i mean i don't know too much about solero yet um to be honest with you i need to dig into it a little bit more but um it's been part of their overall strategy so it's not surprising at all i mean they, they've been talking about this as, as one of the reasons um that they they went public so that they would have that kind of public currency that they could use for acquisitions in order to to vertically integrate um, you know, this is they've one just example of this is they've got this, you know, very strange um, fairing situation on on their upper stage. Uh, I guess technically it's actually connected to the to the first stage. Um, but like that's going to require some very precision deployment of, of the satellites or the, the second stage to make sure you don't like bump into the fairings on the way out. Um, it's going to be really important to get that right. Um, and and one of the acquisitions i forget the, the name of the company but one of the acquisitions that, that they made in the last month or so was a company that um specializes in exactly that type of equipment that you would want in order to kind of like precision launch your your payloads um and that's going to be critical so they're going to be doing a lot of stuff um on the manufacturing side on you know the payload side on, on all sides really to vertically integrate and um we should just expect this to continue Question from Coley. In regards to the FOMC meeting tomorrow, if the Fed announces an acceleration in the rate of tapering, do you expect the macro environment to drag Tesla down further? I mean, I think um, the market's sort of pricing in bad news. 
from the FOMC um, meeting tomorrow. I hope that's what's happening. Um, so hopefully it's being priced in already, um, but there's no telling if they, you know, do announce an acceleration in the rate of tapering that we still, you know, maybe it's only half priced in right now and the rest will be priced in after that. So it's hard to say. I mean, also they could announce an acceleration in the rate of tapering and the stocks, all stocks start going back up, you know, like the market seems to do what we least expect in a lot of times. So yeah, maybe it's already priced in. It's like sell on the rumor, buy on the news. Instead of, you know, always people say buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Maybe this is a case where people are selling on the rumor and they'll buy on the news or something. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, we'll find out, I guess, soon enough. Yeah. Next question, Super John Bond 31 on Twitter. You once said you were desperate to not find a new stock like Tesla. Would you say you have found now? Would you say you have found now? And what is it? Um, to not find a new stock. I think he meant to find a new stock like <laughs> Tesla. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if I'm desperate to find a stock like Tesla. Um, that's not the right. I don't know if I would have used that word desperate, but um I, I, maybe I was looking for another stock like Tesla. I've always been looking for another stock like Tesla. And it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, Tesla is, is, you know, I'm increasingly thinking it's the stock of all time, you know, so I just don't know. I, you know, if it's the stock of all time, there's no replacement for it in my mind. Um, so it just, uh, it, I'm not sure. What do you think, Matt? Do you, do you have any, uh, any, anything as a stock like Tesla you can think of? No, I mean, you know, we like a lot of companies right now, obviously, yeah. um, but I, I don't think there is, I, I think it's it's not, net, maybe it's not a helpful framework to think of things as a, a stock like Tesla. I mean, it's a stock that went up like 20x in 18 months. Like, of course, I'd yeah. love to find another stock like that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. I, I think the the key thing is just finding fundamentals and like the more I studied Tesla, the more bullish I got on it, even as the stock was rising. And that's, that's unusual. Yeah. I mean, normally as a, as like a, a stock is rising and you, like, you're not going to be raising your, your own kind of internal price targets, but just as, as Tesla continued to execute, that was uh, what you saw happen just like over and over again. And again, this quarter, I mean, we just saw it looking at the earnings per share a couple of minutes ago, like how, big of a surprise, essentially, the last two quarters of earnings were. And so then that kind of resets your expectations for what earnings are going to be going forward. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to find another company that that can kind of continually surprise to the upside with their operational excellence. Um, I just don't know what that company is right now. Yeah, let's do one more question. Uh, I know I said we go to through. I just have some another meeting. I got it ready for one more question here. Life at 130 beats per minute BPM. Uh, with the recent market volatility and upcoming Fed meeting, are you doing anything to hedge your portfolio? I mean, we've been talking about hedging our portfolio. Uh, Matt and I privately talk about it a lot. It's asked of us a lot. You know, basically every other week there's a big scare going on that's been happening since as far back as I can remember. And uh, most of the time when I try to hedge, uh, when we try to hedge it, it's just it's a drag on our performance. And so we don't usually act on it. Um, and you know, per, on my personal account, I, you know, an anecdotal story, I, I tried to buy some Tesla puts because I was like, after Elon started discretionary selling the stock initially went down from like 1200 to 1100. I bought a bunch of like 900 puts to hedge my personal portfolio and, uh, those expired worthless. So I lost, you know, <laughs> four or 5% of my personal portfolio, just buying those puts to hedge. And I expected that to probably, probably happen, but 
you know, um, those were like two or three weeks out and they were, they could are expensive, you know? So hedging Tesla in particular is very expensive. And Matt and I have talked about it in the past and, um, we can't really buy puts for some, you know, they're just so expensive. So we've looked at other potential things. We haven't found a real good hedge, whether it's like ARK investment puts or other stocks that are correlated to Tesla, you know, and, and we really believe in it long-term and the short-term price movement is hard to predict. Um, you know, we're, we're sometimes we try to predict it on the bullish side, but on, you know, it, it's like, it's very hard to, to hedge a growth stock portfolio, a growth tech stock portfolio, you know, obviously Monday morning quarterback, you can always do it when there's a collapse like this and say, Hey, we should have hedged it, you know, two weeks ago, it started December, but, um, the first week of December, every, you know, we thought that the first three or 4% down move, uh, was just kind of a fake out and, uh, sure it's continued since then, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, there's probably dozens of times this year we've talked about hedging our portfolio. And if we had done it every time our performance would be really bad by now, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you got to pick and choose and we just didn't do it this time very well. Um, but we're always open to looking for ideas to, to hedge our portfolio further. You have anything you want to add, Matt? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you, you hit on all the, all the things. I mean, it's, it's, you kind of pay through the nose on unimplied volatility if you want to do it with puts and then with shorts, you're, you're, or with, uh, if you just want to go short equity, then you're locking up a massive amount of capital in order to have any sort of meaningful hedge. Um, so, you know, I think our, our focus is just to kind of focus on, on the fundamentals and, um, you know, to the extent we had any extra dry powder, it would certainly help to, to kind of reallocate now. Um, you know, but, it, you know, looking, looking forward into next year, I mean, we just walked through this model that, that, you know, makes me feel kind of very bullish about, uh, about the medium well, short and medium term opportunities. So, um, I'm personally probably not going to hedge anything in, in my own personal portfolio. Um, and it's, we, we just found it's probably too expensive to, to do it on, on, on the fund side. Um, so we'll continue to look at that. I mean, if, if, if the macro market changes, if we see signs of kind of like some, some major deterioration or, or potential threat that's, you know, has more substance than, you know, just kind of like a generic concern about rates and tapering. Uh, I, I think we would certainly be free to act on that, but right now it, it doesn't seem worth the, you know, kind of the performance trade-off. Yep. Good questions. So. All right, guys. Well, we went on a little longer. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Well, this is the recorded. I'll post right to the uh, YouTube live channel once we're done. And we'll try to cut out the segment of of the uh, model uh, on YouTube for a separate video for people that are just want to see the, the earnings preview model and us go over the spreadsheet. I think that'll be a good kind of 20 or 30 minute segment to cut out for people focused on that. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And uh Thanks for actually. Listening. I think Emmett, you won't uh, you won't be in next week. So oh, I have, won't uh, be in next week. That's right. We're gonna have uh, Yashu actually stepping in for Emmett. So we'll uh, right. hopefully we'll have some good juju on that, and uh, <laughs> we'll have a uh, turnaround yeah. of some of the cool. stock performance lately. So thanks right. everyone for watching. Good. All right. Thanks guys. All right. Bye. Yeah.